0: Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Cape Cod Voices new official podcast. My name is Miranda Alves, and I am the president and co-founder of Cape Cod Voices. Joining me today is the rest of the Cape Cod Voices leadership team, Chandler Alves, Carlina Koring, and Augusta Davis. For those of you who are not familiar with Cape Cod Voices, we are a racial equity nonprofit located on Cape Cod. Our mission is to keep Black, Indigenous, and people of color's voices at the center of the conversation on race, combat and educate about issues of systemic racism, and advocate for students of color in our local schools. Today's episode will be an introductory session as we discuss Cape Cod Voices beginnings in 2020, our observations since then, and what keeps us going. So again, thank you so much for joining us, and let's get started. Sheila, did you actually want to
1: start us off? Yeah. Cape Cod Voices wanted to start a podcast because we wanted to talk about racial justice issues um, and on Cape Cod and kind of what we have been up to and how we were trying to help the community. Um, we don't have a name uh, for the podcast yet, but Carlina has a good idea.
2: Kicking it with Cape Cod Voices.
3: We you know a musician. We can.
2: Zion. Yeah, we.
0: Uh, we can... Yeah, we. Shout uh, right out uh, to Zion perfect. Rodman. Yeah, oh, actually, I think oh, yeah. Secret It song with
1: Cape Code is really good. Yeah, I actually really love that. And I've yeah, Zion would even probably want to come on to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Zion's going to be on the podcast for oh, Yeah, sure. we would love him. Yeah, Zion is also moving back. He's from Cape Cod and he's moving back in September to live around the area in Massachusetts. Yay! After he moved from Cape Cod to Chicago, sadly.
2: We would love any guests anybody
1: who wants to come on oh yeah well not
2: anybody but yeah not anybody I'm gonna be very selective
1: (laughs) no only cool people can be on the podcast um so I'm gonna cut that out (laughs) so anyways I think one way we like to start a meeting sometimes is we like to do like check-ins and stuff so yeah how's everyone's weekend do it been going good Good, yeah. This weekend, yesterday, I went to a child's barbecue from, um, I'm a preschool teacher, so I went to um, one of my kids' barbecue, and then after that, I had to go to um, Mark and my fiance's um, alumni um, party at his college, so it's like my friend Luke, as you guys know, said this. He said, we could be doing whatever, but we're doing this, and that's that. Really feels like the theme of the weekend with this podcast as well. Like I could be doing whatever, but I'm doing this. So
2: yay! Oh, <laughs>
1: what? what does that mean? Oh, I don't
2: want to be doing this. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's
1: like, why am I doing any of this?
0: <laughs> why, why do I, I do anything this? ever?
1: <laughs> Um, yeah. And so also in the beginning of like our meetings, sometimes we like go around and we like say like what we're thankful for or something. So I thought that'd be nice to do with our podcast as well. Um, like saying what you're grateful for in the morning also like can make you like happier throughout the day. So that's why I actually do that a lot too with like after I listen to a meditation. Um, so yeah, do you guys want to go around and say what you're thankful for? Miranda, you can start.
0: No, no.
1: I'm really thankful for steroids today.
0: Um, they have helped me be migraine-free for the last like three days, and it's been a it's been a really nice time. It's beautiful.
1: Uh, <laughs> They're prescriptive. Should I do that happy. one again? You feel like that's inappropriate? Shut was rage. Are you okay?
2: <laughs> Carly, what are you feeling grateful for? Um, well, today is my nephew's 10th birthday. And I'm oh. just very, very grateful that he's such a happy and smart and sweet kid, and he's growing up very nicely. So I'm just thinking about him a lot today, and I'm really grateful that he's healthy and he's made it to double digits. That's
0: great! Yeah. Can we give him a birthday shout out with his name? Yeah,
1: <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday, Jays! Oh, <laughs> um, Augusta, what are you feeling thankful for? I finished the first
3: draft of my master's project. Finally, that's amazing!
1: Woo!
0: Congratulations!
3: It's been so long. Maybe I'll graduate this summer. Maybe not. I don't know. But I feel a bit of a weight off of my shoulders, so it's really nice. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Um, and I am thankful for um, having a bike because. We're about to go on a bike ride after this. Um, and I really, really, really want to be outside. So I'm really feeling thankful that I have the opportunity to be outside today, and have some free time.
0: Yeah, it'll be really fun. I'm
2: looking to sway.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking to do very leisurely biking and even I'm
2: looking to hopefully remember how to ride a bike. I do I <laughs> haven't ridden a bike in 10 years. So I hope I you know can, can have my or- heart.
3: Where are you guys going? The, bike, the Shining T- Seas bike trail or the canal? Canal.
1: Yeah. Should I hide a little a little bottle of champagne in there? And there's an alcohol in the bag in our picnic basket. Oh.
2: It's sober girl summer.
0: <laughs> um, actually, Chandler, were you going to tell us a story before we started recording
1: about how you're talking about the name of
0: Cape Cod Voices with someone the other day?
1: Yeah, I was just talking about it. Actually, someone was asking me about the name at dinner last night when I was out with my friends. Um, So it was definitely because um, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, we definitely we were going to all those uh, protests and rallies and everything all up and down Cape. And so when we showed up like you guys have heard this story so many times, it was just, you know, mostly white speakers with like one person of color. Um, it was like felt very like tokenized to how like it was mostly white speakers talking about racism with only one person of color um, speaking and mostly white people creating the events um, and those people actually don't experience racism. Also, I think it really de- like it really took away like the importance of like of, addressing racism on Cape Cod when we had all these white speakers making it political like I remember there were so many people talking about Trump and it's like the racism was here before Trump like this is this is America like Mm -hmm. it's bigger than that and we've been struggling since I mean yeah I was I've been dealing with racism before Trump was here we all people of color have been dealing with racism so um I was like these are not the voices that we need to be hearing. I'm like, there's a, so then it was like, and people are like, well, there's not a lot of people of color on Cape Cod. Like we can't find anyone. And it's like, no, there's tons of black people on Cape Cod. There's tons of people of color that are dealing with racism. There's obviously a huge native um, community on Cape Cod. So it's like, those are Cape Cod voices. There are people of color and we are the voices of Cape Cod too. It's not just white people. And, um, but at that point I didn't know we were gonna be a nonprofit or really even an organization. So I just thought, oh, I thought we needed to name like people like who's putting on this POC speak up event. Cause that's after we went to all these protests we, me and Miranda at one of the protests looked at each other and we were like, this is not okay. Like we're gonna make an event. Let's just make an event.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's that's exactly what happened. Miranda was actually the one who said it first. She was like, we were both so getting angry and angrier talking to each other. We were like, what we the were like, We were like, because we were at an event
0: where a cop got on stage and he was like saying like, it doesn't matter what color you are, blue or purple, because all lives matter rhetoric. And they were like, the whole crowd, everyone was upset. They were like, what is going on? So it was like, I just like, remember they invited people onto the stage at the protest we were at and they were like if you want to say something you can say something then like if you feel like you want to say something like come up here you feel like something wasn't said and someone did get on stage and did talk uh but Chandler kept being like Myrna, you should get on stage and i was like I'm not getting on that stage and then Mm -hmm. I kept being like Chandler you get on that stage and like eventually nobody else got on the stage and it ended and then we were just still they like, you should do something about it. We should, yeah. Just really, eventually, we were like, let's do something about it for real. We actually could. I think there was, like, this realization where I was like, wait, we could actually do something, Chandler.
1: Yeah, and also we were so upset because our uncle was a victim of police brutality. And we knew that he was attacked, like, blocks, like, one block away or whatever. Yeah, I think it was less than a
0: mile away. Yeah, like, a block
1: away. And they were like, we're worried about our kids when they get off Cape. We're like, no, worry about your kids on Cape like, dealing with racism. So yeah, that was it was really Miranda was like, we're gonna make our own event. I was like, okay, let's do it. And then Carlina and Augusta were super vocal about like how they also had experiences of racism on Cape Cod, but also like how they wanted to kind of dismantle systemical racist systemical structures and stuff like that like you guys just were posting on your stories a lot so I reached out to you yeah because I actually didn't follow you guys
2: on Instagram
1: then what was happening like in your guys what were you guys doing around that time I
2: think only me and Chandler followed each other um because we were friends back in high school um what was I doing I wasn't really doing much I went to a couple of protests in Falmouth um but That was like, you know, COVID was still, I mean, I mean, it still is very alive and well, but even more so back then, you know, there weren't vaccines yet or anything. And so I wasn't really keen on like doing anything major. Like I felt really unsafe about like going out into like the big protests in Boston and things like that. So I wasn't really doing much and I felt really bad about it. I felt really guilty. And so I felt like if I could at least have a platform on my Instagram, which not that I have a lot of followers or anything, but I was like, Hey you know what, um, people were listening to me and people were in, engaging with me and interacting with me in like a positive way. And so I felt good about that at least. Um, I don't remember who had reposted. It might've been our friend Lucy had reposted something Augusta had written on her Instagram story. And it was really beautiful, beautifully written about her experiences like, you know, going to these events on Cape Cod and seeing all these white people suddenly care about racial justice and it hit the nail on the head for me because that's exactly how I've felt like forever. I'm like, oh, now people are paying attention. Now people care, like now people are waking up and it's only because the world had completely stopped, right? Like COVID shut down the world and people were unemployed, like sitting at home, like have nothing honestly better to do but to sit down and be forced to learn about this country and how awful and horrific it is for black people. So I really connected with what she wrote. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I really love this. Like, can I repost this? And she was like, yeah, of course. And then we started following each other. And then I think Chandler had seen what I had reposted of Augusta's. And then kind of similar thing. Like, we all just reposted Augusta's Instagram story. What was, I kind of
0: remember reading that story,
3: too.
0: Do you want to talk about Augusta?
2: Yeah, I've since
3: deleted it. I felt too vulnerable to just have out there on my social media. But it was I was in the same situation, like I was I went to one protest actually somewhere on Cape, I think East Ham. I'm not sure though. And um I just remember leaving it feeling really weird I didn't I couldn't put a name to like the emotion I was feeling. So I just sat with it for a while and then I wrote everything down that I felt, which was basically just I felt like people were suddenly caring, but I was like, I've dealt with this my whole life. And I feel like now I'm allowed to care about it Whereas before I wasn't like allowed to speak on these things. It was never, there's never a comfortable space to speak about my own racial experiences. And I suddenly it was like, oh, now because white people are talking about it, I'm allowed to talk about it. And I think that was like the gist of what I wrote. Um, And I was really unsure about like writing anything publicly, even though it's like, I have like, I don't know, 200 followers on Instagram. I don't think it was like that big of a deal, but it took a little bit of like support from my friend, Noor, who was staying with me at the time um, to, to post it. And I'm so happy I did because not only was able to connect with you guys, but like so many people from high school, um, reached out to me other people of color from high school reached out to me um and i was so nervous because i thought like i didn't know anyone shared those sentiments and feelings and experiences i've always kept them inside i've never talked to anyone about them so it was really really empowering to have almost i think every other like woman of color i went to high school with um at least like in my graduating class had like reached out to me saying that that's exactly how they felt so it was like mind-blowing and crazy and but then I saw like other people who I didn't even know were starting to share it and saying that they related to it. So it was really, it was really nice. And I'm so happy that it brought me to you guys because um, it was a little bit scary at the time for me to, to share that.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Honestly, like when you wrote that, like, I think you put words to a lot of, to all of us for how we were feeling in the situation. And, and I think that was another reason why, why it was so frustrating to go to those events because it was like it was run by white people and they're saying, okay, now you're allowed to feel bad that people are racist to you. And it's like, I've been having to hide it my whole life. And been trying to blend in and hide the color of my skin or being a person of color. So definitely it was just like, we need, we need more spaces where we can be ourselves and talk about what's going on for, for people of color.
2: I think it's very interesting too, because like, In high school, that was when um, there was a trial for Trayvon Martin, and I remember talking a lot about that publicly on my social media when we were maybe sophomores, juniors in high school, and no one from high school ever engaged with, like, my tweets about it. Like, I remember specifically, I would always get, like, troll accounts, like, arguing with me, but it was no one I knew personally that ever interacted, I saw nobody else talking about it. Like I felt very alone and isolated in this feeling that I was so angry and so upset and knew that obviously this whole case was very racially racially motivated and just that no one else saw it around me. And then as we got a little bit older and I think, it was like the summer going into sophomore year of college was when Mike Brown was murdered in Ferguson. And again, I felt so isolated and like none of my friends were talking about it. And so I tried to talk about it with them. And I was like, you know, what? let's start the conversation with my friends who are white from high school. And they just immediately shut me down. It was like, this isn't a race thing. Like you can't run from cops and expect to like not have repercussions, like almost like justifying like this 17, 18 year old kid being murdered. And I was so disgusted. And I honestly withdrew from a lot of my old friends from Cape Cod because I was like, I don't have anything in common with you. I felt in that moment, like I just felt really gross about it. And thankfully, like through time, those relationships have been repaired and everything is fine because I think they grew up and they realized that I was right, which is so interesting that it was like, what was so different about this time? And I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if, like, like I said before, like, people were forced to kind of pay attention to it. But there was just something different about this time that, like, people were listening to us as people of color. And that was really, really interesting to me, because I had never felt like that in my entire life, that my white friends were listening to me and my experiences, and not invalidating them immediately.
0: Yeah, well, we talk about this all the time, that idea of, like, with incidents of racism, there's that plausible deniability, right? Like he shouldn't have run from the cops or, you know, he should have surrendered or even I've seen, you know, like always putting the onus on the person of color who gets assaulted or gets murdered. And I think what was really different besides like everybody just having free time, everybody consuming the same media. Like we were all really into Tiger King. Was that what it's called? Tiger King. Okay. yeah, we were like all just really consuming a lot of the same media at once, which was really also interesting. So and then that video of George Floyd, like there was no room for plausible deniability. Like everybody saw it and everybody was like, that is wrong. And I think it was like you look at all other videos, too, like of other incidents. And I think there also isn't that room for plausible isn't room for plausible deniability. But we like you didn't have everyone consuming that media in the same way with that free time. Yeah, I think that it was like this, that all came together.
1: Yeah, I think also people were, even though it was COVID, people were were ready to get out of their houses and like, do something about it. Because not only were we dealing with, you know, police brutality, people you know, Black people being murdered and watching it on our phones, we're dealing about, um, you know, a lot of people who are working in the restaurant industry or, you know, the people that had to go into work during COVID and didn't get to stay home. We, a lot of us were feeling like, okay, we're being taken advantage of um, we're being overworked underpaid for so long. Like there were so many injustices going on. I feel like around that time that it was just like, it was like enough is enough. We're all, there's too much going on. We need to fight. We need to stand for this stuff. Like it was just, all this stuff was happening. I feel like where it just, people were like, we need to start, do something about this we can't just keep ignoring this obviously because like you said like i feel like so many more of my friends like i've been able to repair relationships and they start they're understanding things and they're actually ready to listen to me now
2: but what's weird is i feel like it's sort of declining again like the momentum and there's a documentary um i can't remember which one but i watched a few years ago and it was about the black lives matter movement and how it kind of had its resurgence with Mike Brown because I actually started with Trayvon Martin after George Zimmerman was found not guilty that was when the movement the hashtag was actually created and then Mike Brown was sort of like the catalyst for like what really brought it like nationwide and like what really brought it to everybody's attention and then it kind of died down a little bit after like Freddie Gray maybe in like 2015 I feel like it wasn't really being talked about as much and then with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, like it kind of had this resurgence again that we saw in 2020. And now I feel like it's dying a little bit again. And what I think is interesting is in this documentary, they said we had to make a decision. We were doing Black Lives Matter and like saying the hashtag, you know, is this a moment or is it gonna be a movement? And I think that really hit me because I was like, they're so right. Like, I feel like we have these moments where everybody's like ready to fight and ready to do these things and it happens with all types of different movements not even just um Black Lives Matter but now I feel like that was a moment and not a movement and I feel like we were all so hopeful we were like this is it like this is the time like this is going to be the movement that's going to change everything and I'm not saying it changed nothing I'm not saying that like nothing was successful about it but i do feel like there has been a decline in like people caring about it now and it feels now just like this isolated little moment in 2020
0: that's actually yeah. something i wanted to ask you guys about because we kind of have been talking about the momentum and like how powerful those those i guess following months were after you know so we ended up doing our event right POC speak up on a high end village green where we finally were able to have those voices, Cape Cod voices, the voices of people of color here on Cape Cod, tell their stories about, you know, the racism they've experienced here on Cape Cod. Um, So we had 10 speakers, ages 16 to 56, for those of you who weren't there or don't know. Um, And there was just a really large host of stories, different experiences, but every experience contained racism. Um, and so kind of since then, we've still been doing all this work. We've been just still going and going. And I guess it's like there was that momentum. And how, yeah, how do you feel? You know, do you feel like it's kind of waned? Do you feel like it's getting harder?
1: I think that obviously there's the momentum is de- definitely like dying down when it comes to like police um ab- like abolishing police or like police reform like I feel like no one's really looking or checking that or caring about the police right now and I think that's something that like I do want to be more like involved with I know we're working with schools and I feel like police reform is or abolishing police is really like in the back burner and that's really upsetting um also obviously like it's not just that the momentum is dying down but we're being combated by like politicians and like people in government like no critical race theory around the country book bans of critical race theory there could be and every district and is different with these book bans and so like i just if anyone's listening and has a child in school or um you know cares about what literature they have in their libraries check the book ban list because uh, your local library there can just be the librarian says i don't want critical race theory i don't want black stories or black authors in my library and they can literally just take it out and ban it and no one can no one would even know um same with your school who knows it might be like um the administration that makes the decision in, your, in the school um, that's in your town um and maybe like those four people that are, are part of admin made a decision that they didn't want LGBTQ authors in in the school. So definitely please please if you're listening check the book bands cuz that's one thing. Literature is like one of the first things they always do in in history to take away so we aren't educated on the the real history or real experiences of people of color in America.
3: Now that you like say that it kind of feels like more than the momentum just dying down it's sort of like things feel like they're swinging in the opposite direction. In 2020, mm-hmm. you know, there was this big public outcry for more progressive changes and reforms. And, and instead of really seeing anything impactful, two years later, we're seeing like Roe versus Wade is probably going to be overturned. All these states are like coming up with this legislation to take away reproductive health rights and lgbtq rights and it's a bit scary how like vastly different things are just two years later when we felt like we're going to have so much change a little while ago and now we're going to get change, but it's not literally the opposite of what we were aiming for
2: yeah i was going to say like i think Quarantining, and there wasn't a lot going on. Like literally, like no one had anything going on really, except for the people who were on the front lines and the essential workers. Right, like everybody else was just chilling. And now there's so many things to worry about. Like gas prices are raising. Like we are probably about to enter a recession. Like the housing market is trash. People have nowhere to live. People can't afford rent. Um, you know, people are scared to send their kids to school because of how many mass shootings there are. Like gun laws are outrageous so I feel like there's so many other things that are in the forefront of people's brains that they need to worry about on a daily basis and unfortunately like all the work that everyone put towards racial equity a couple years ago is just like I think going to be on the back burner until the world like calms down a bit.
0: Isn't there a word for that too like that idea that like the news cycle and all this stuff? you know, there is so much going on and we're just being burdened by so much that, like, just keeps happening and happening till you burn out emotionally. And, like, what do you guys know what the word is? let <laughs> 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 yeah, all up.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. It's, like, what am I going to wake up and have to worry about now? Like, what other tragedy, honest to God, am I going to wake up to tomorrow? Like, I, you know, there's just so many things that are devastating that are happening every day in this country and not even just in this yeah. country. I mean, there's a whole war going on in Ukraine and it's like, I haven't even heard about that in a while. Cause there's been so many bad things happening in our own country.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, but then at the end of the day, it's like, it's all connected. It all is about, you know, our freedom. It's all connected. And what's kind of scary is to know that we were all fighting for free, freedom and we were all feeling like as as like citizens like we were all starting to really like fight for that and like we had this wake of like taking like like we as the people have the power and then it was like oh it was kind of like no you don't <laughs> and now all this stuff's happening and you're like whoa like the majority of people the majority of people want abortions to be legal like in America it's like so why would they overturn that it's like we it's very, very odd.
0: It's the opposite of empowering, like depowering. And I think maybe that's part of it too. I feel like, you know, there was that momentum. And then over time, what did we see? I think it's demoralizing in a lot of ways. And I think people realize like the way that change works is through bureaucracy and are those of who are involved in the bureaucracy are not actually looking to really do it in that way. I don't wanna say that though either, because I do think there are some people who've done some really good things. I know there are specific towns that are working towards abolishing their own police forces or have looked towards even, I was just reading a story the other day and I wish I could remember what the town is. My recall isn't great right now, but they were talking about how they have, they hired a lot of mental health, um, like officers instead of police officers. Not officers, but mental health. Someone
2: did on the Cape. What? There's a town on the Cape that just did that this past week. They, like, I think it was in Barnstable. They hired, like, a mental health professional who's going to go, like, on ride-alongs with police, I think, to, like, respond to calls that they think someone who's in, like, a mental health crisis. That's
0: really great. And I know, too, you know, the Center for Juvenile Justice... They're working right now and getting SROs out of schools, which is like they have some really awesome bills up right now too, and I'm I think that's like really important work as well. But I guess you know it is.
1: What what out of school?
0: Um, like the officers that are designated in the height, you know, like at, at schools, police officers at schools.
1: Yeah, that's great work. And are there a lot of a lot of officers in schools on Cape? I don't know.
0: I know there are, and like, like I think Falmouth has one,
1: School has one. We're like
0: that's resource
2: sh- officers? Yeah. yeah. And even speaking about schools, going back to like our original point that things are kind of dying down, I even feel that with KPUD Voices work, I think previous years we were doing a lot with schools or like at least a lot of teachers and people were reaching out to us. And I think that's been like a steady decline um just this year alone
0: yeah interesting though I remember I think I sent it to you guys there's this paper that was done and I don't I don't know if the methodology was 100 solid because I think it had to do with looking at like google trends and terminology but they basically concluded that there's a seasonality to so like this social type of work or anti-racism work And like the beginning of the school year, it kind of picks up and then it wanes back down at the end and then it comes back up. So I look, I think it's kind of interesting to see if we observe some sort of trend like that, but I do agree there is that waning down right now.
1: Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're a teacher, reach out to us, (laughs) you know, I know you guys have a lot going on at the end of the school year and you're going to get your well-deserved break, but definitely reach, email us because, you know, we're here to help you too. We're, We're We're here to, you know, support you. Yeah, or just in general. I mean, if you want to get something done in your community,
0: let's get it done. Summertime, the perfect time for healing. Anti-racism. (laughs) Anti-racism. No, definitely. The other thing, too, I was kind of thinking about that. You actually brought up Augusta. And this is kind of like, you know, we talked a little bit about where we are now. but I like... You know, I always do forget about, like, being little, <laughs> right? Like, you brought up this whole, like, when you're little, you have to, like, sweep it under the rug. And, you know, you can't, don't feel like you can talk about racism. And, or even it was, in the, you know, there was this moment with, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, where there was, like, you could talk about it. You could finally, like, say it, and people would listen. Like, you didn't have to feel small. And I kind of wondering, how do you guys feel about that now? Do you feel like that momentum is continued? Like, do you still feel comfortable and, like, you people are respecting you when you are able to talk about it? Or is that too, per- we don't have to talk about that one. That's too per-
1: I feel like we kind of touched upon that. Like, Carlina, when, like, when you mentioned that, like, you've been able to, like, heal a lot of, like, broken friendships or, like, times where, like, people weren't there to support you and you were dealing with like yeah, that's true. racism. um But like, yeah, I mean, I'm a totally different person now. Like I will talk about racism. I will talk about race. Um, I will, you know, I'm t- to my classroom. I've changed completely, like trying to get like lots of different types of people from different backgrounds in my literature. Um, just like, yeah, totally um, curriculum that I thought was had racist undertones and i i'll talk it, about it to the whole school as a whole so i'm we can all make sure that we're being anti-racist um all the different classrooms um i'm so much more vocal i've learned more about um i'm cape Verdean. i've learned more about cape bird or cape verde uh, however you want to say it
0: um and- you said it right I- first. <laughs> yeah you
1: did uh, I even want to. I even. I even uh, went and found a children's book about a little boy Matteo when Matteo goes to Cape Verde, and I got, I was like so happy because like my inner child was like a book that represents me. Like I've never ever would have seen that as a child. Like now I can have that and show it to my the kids in my classroom and stuff like that. So um, yeah, definitely have not lost that momentum at all, and I feel so much more pride in being a person of color.
3: I feel like I personally am in like the same boat. Like I'm more comfortable talking about like racial issues than I ever was before. And I'm, I bring it up all the time, but I don't know if like the people around me are as receptive as they once were, but that doesn't matter. That's fine. I'm going to keep talking about it, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even um like, put all that on, like, the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. Like, I think that's something that's been building for me slowly over time as I've gotten older and more comfortable with myself. One time in college, I was spending time with a friend from high school and I was talking about being biracial. And she told me it was the first time she'd ever heard me talk about, like, my race ever. And we've been friends like all throughout high school so four years of high school she was one of my closest friends i never brought it up before to her so it's definitely like a slow process and i think in 2020 just sort of like was the accumulation of many years of becoming more confident and comfortable talking about my racial experiences because it's really hard being a person of color surrounded by exclusively white people like for your whole life
0: yeah yeah my I think my um experience is kind of similar to yours as well Augusta Where like I yeah first of all I haven't stopped talking about it I'm much more like confident just like bringing it up in any conversation if it's if it's relevant not just like bringing it up in any conversation but and you know I do think yes people are less receptive as well um but I also think growing up, like when I was a real little girl, like the only time it ever came up is like if someone said something kind of racist to me or right, or like microaggressed me or something like that. And I had to, they, they were like, well, how did do you get your hair permed or, you know, how did you get such a nice, even tan? And then I would just be like, oh, my dad's black. <laughs> and then they would shut up. Um, but you know, it wasn't really like until I was older and I was able to kind of just like own that as part of my identity more, like in college and stuff, and like actually just talk about it. I think too, it was like even being like living with, with my parents, they were divorced, and like living almost full time with a white mom in our white household, going to a really white school, like it wasn't until I was able to kind of step out of that, even though I went to also a very white place. I mean, actually it was an international school when I went to college first. So I guess it was probably, it was much more diverse than here. Um, But yeah, it wasn't until I was able able to step out of that, that I was like, oh wait, I have this whole other identity that I've kind of been suppressing and I'm allowed to talk about, I'm allowed to show like being around so many different people from all over the world. Like I can have my culture and I can own it. And I think that was like, yeah, such an opening experience, but it was definitely, like, being home, I didn't feel that
2: same way. I think I've always been pretty open and, like, outwardly, like, Black and just, like, always talked about that, and I don't think that really has changed, but I think over the years, um, being invalidated so much, I definitely, started to hold back a lot of the things I would say, or I would regret saying something when like the reaction would be sort of negative. And I felt like I sort of had a breaking point. It was in about, it was last year in 2021. Like I was out to dinner with some friends and someone's boyfriend had made a comment and it was like a very privileged thing to say. And I called him out on it and we had this whole discussion about race and I could feel the energy just being sucked out of the room like, my friends were upset with me, kind of, was like, oh, here she goes again, like, it was sort of, like, that vibe, and, like, everyone at the table besides my friend Edward was white, and I was like, oh, like, they actually hate when I talk about race, like, they actually don't care to learn, but they're the exact people who are on Instagram reposting infographics and talking, like, acting like they support online, but in real life, when I wanted to have these discussions, they were, like, girl, no one cares. Like, you're just being annoying. Like, you're just bringing the vibe down, you know, like killing the vibe. Sort of, that was the energy I was getting. People were rolling their eyes, crossing their arms. Body language was just very much like they did not want to be having this discussion on a Saturday night at dinner. I'm like, that's fine. And I I walked out without saying bye. I just got up and I whispered to my friend, Edward. I was like, pay my bill for me. I'll Venmo you. And I got up and I left. And Edward followed me. Um, and we went out to his car and I just broke down and I was crying and I was like, I'm 26 years old and I'm still crying because I can't be myself around my white friends because like, I'm getting shut down when I say something about who I am and what matters to me. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And yeah. that me was like, I never spoke to those friends again. I'm not friends with them to this day. Um, and I made a vow to myself, I was like, I'm not going to change the way that I speak or what I want to speak about, no matter like where I am. And I've stuck to that. And I think that that's been a really important develop- me- development for me, because even though I've always been outspoken and I have always stood that I like stand up for myself, I realized that there was definitely a part of me that held back a lot. Um, And I, I decided, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore.
3: And were hey, you... Tell that story. I like get anxious hearing it. It's like mm-hmm. such a nightmare. Like I've been, like I feel like I, I can just feel it, and it's just like the worst situation you can ever be in.
1: I I literally like it's giving me flashbacks to when I I went to community college. But when I would go, I would live with my roommate who went to like a college that had a lot of parties, um and that's actually like that that before you know the movement the. Um, the movement after George Floyd's murder, like I actually was being really vocal at parties when people were being racist. And it was always the reaction like, oh, why she meant ruining the whole party and bringing everyone down. Oh, yeah, like definitely the whole, that everyone was just like upset, annoyed, didn't want me there. And like, yeah, you may, you almost feel like you have to like apologize or something, but like you actually were just like sticking up for yourself in the situation and it's like we don't have the privilege to ignore it we don't have the privilege to just say let's not talk about it because it's like no it's it's really upsetting and hurt and hurtful and we've been dealing with it forever And, and and when I was younger I mean obviously like you guys know like I was really really like made fun of and bullied for like being half black and like so many people, like so many people all around me saying the N word all the time that were white. And like, sometimes they th- they thought it was cool, but a lot of times they were saying it in a really, really negative way to me and about me and calling it, it to-, to me to say it that that made me less than, you know, what I was or that that made me bad, um, or not cool or something. So definitely like, around college like I just couldn't hold it in anymore I remember being at parties and just like exploding on people all the time (laughs) which wasn't the best way but I'm glad I said something hopefully because maybe they they did think twice next time
2: yeah I know me and Miranda were speaking I think last week about um kind of like what it means to feel like freedom and like being like authentically like yourself and like being black and like having no shame about it and like um, kind of like these unconscious bias that we all have about like stereotypes and like being afraid that like you're representing representing like your whole community and like judging other people for how they're acting in public and how like how I kind of want to like undo that unconscious bias that I have and like knowing that like I can act however I want I'm not representing anybody but myself like I'm not bringing I don't know like if I'm being too loud and people are like oh there's another black person like being too loud in public and it's like I want to be able to go out and just act how I really am and not worry about these things and not worry about people judging me because of my skin color or Um, like caring that other people might be thinking about it. Cause it has nothing to do with me. It's not my problem. It's not my fault that people think like that. And that can be like a whole other (laughs) podcast topic. Honestly, I could talk forever about how I think about that. But I think that's kind of what we're touching on a little bit is like having the freedom to just go to a party and talk about what we want to talk about with people and having them maybe like not be uncomfortable or allow us the space to do that and I think honestly at the end of the day it's really just about um surrounding ourselves with better people maybe (laughs) I feel like all the parties we've
1: been having lately
2: which we have been having a lot of parties lately I feel
1: like
0: because we're so cool
1: (laughs) I feel like I have like I feel like they've all had that space which is kind of cool I
0: think this is like one of my greatest takeaways from like our this whole conversation we're having right now it's just, like, how cool I think you guys are. And <laughs> I'm sure other people don't want to hear this, but I just think it's, like, there's this other aspect where I found a community within our group and, like, knowing you guys and all the people we've been able to work with. And I think that's also just really helped me develop and, like, be able to be the woman I am today. <laughs> no, I don't know. But, like, I just, like, I don't know. I think that's such an important thing to me and I'm glad that we got to a party together mm-hmm.
2: I cut that up too so. no don't, don't. I think you know like I feel so much relief I feel nowadays ever since we all became friends knowing that like if something like racist happened or I saw something or I was microaggressed I can run back to you guys and you guys are going to validate me and like support me and be like yeah like that's probably what happened like you know and not be like well maybe and you know what I mean like you guys (laughs) have experienced it you guys know what I'm talking about I don't even have to name it and like I feel yeah I feel so much relief just knowing that I have people in my corner who identify racially the same as me and like have been through the same things as me and think the same way as me or I mean not that we all think exactly the same way but you know what I mean like we feel the same about race issues at least
3: yeah I love being able to talk talk things out with you guys and I yeah it's definitely it's relief to have you guys in my life and I I've been feeling more and more lately like that I feel like that's where I think without even saying it in so many words like that's the direction we're trying to like head with Cape Cod voices we're trying to like expand that we're trying to like give space and community to more people of color on Cape Cod who feel like they don't have it
0: yeah I was just going to say that like and that's what I want I want everybody you know every person on Cape Cod to feel this way (laughs) but I want them to be able to be like I have somewhere I can go I have someone I can talk to like I'm not alone I'm not I don't have to feel isolated I don't have to assimilate like I'm allowed to be a person of color on Cape Cod like that's I don't know if I even feel that way, but at least I do when
2: I'm with you. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Also- I think that's our why, right? Like that's kind of why we all do this because especially the younger generations, like we don't want them to feel how we felt growing up in schools.
1: Yeah. Also just shout out to, you know, belonging books and amplify POC because not only do I feel like so much love when I'm with you guys and we're doing stuff together, but like, I also like feel like so, you know, really like myself when I'm doing, when I go to their events as well. And like, I love the community that they've created as well on Cape Cod.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think there's such unique spaces too. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, I there know there are a few people too on Cape Cod who've been doing this work for a long time, but I really, yeah, there's some new and innovative spaces. I think there's actually an event going on today, but it's from a different group, an Amity group. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just heard, I just, Erica was like, Are you going this morning? And I was like, Going where? And I had forgotten about it.
1: But. Oh my gosh, Erica knows all the events she, from Belonging Books. She's, She's on top like, of everything. I know. Like, Can she, like, we need to be on her calendar? Can she share her calendar with Cape Cod Voices? I'll ask
0: her. We I share my calendar with her. We share our calendar with her. <laughs>
1: So we didn't really talk about how long this thing was supposed to be, but how are you guys feel like feeling? An
3: hour, so.
1: Yeah, I think it's good.
3: I mean, do an yeah, outro.
0: Yeah, do an outro. Guys, thanks for kicking it with us today. I was really happy to be able to talk with the k pop Voices team, and I was really happy that you were able to listen. I really hope that over the next few years, and who knows how long, we can continue to do this podcast, continue to bring you content, and continue to build a more anti-racist K-Pod. Thanks for joining us and come by next time so we
2: can kick it with KitKat Voices. (laughs) Also, let us know if you want us to talk about any topics in particular. Hit us up on Instagram. Yeah, hit us
0: on, yeah, or we could do like a podcast
3: email. Where can you find the podcast for saying that? We're on Spotify. We're on
0: Apple Music. Yeah,
3: we're we're everywhere. Anywhere you listen
1: to podcasts today. How are we going to get there? We don't know. We can
3: figure it out. The
1: end. Goodbye. Bye. I loved that.